This is Geek Gab with your host, Darnall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back, Geek Gab, for Saturday, May 9th, 2020. And the world is in a grip of a record-breaking disaster. You may have heard of this. They're releasing Miss Monopoly. What? Miss Monopoly. It's like regular Monopoly, but it's all feministicized. If oh. I'm saying that correctly. Ms. Monopoly. That's that's the feminist version. That's, oh, Ms. Monopoly. That sounds like a... All right, so tell me more. I, I need to know more about this. Um, she, the main character, the mascot, is the niece of Uncle Moneybags, but she's a self-made millionaire other than the fact that she got her startup capital from Uncle Moneybags. Great. Awesome. That's great, because of course, when you get millions in startup capital from your rich uncle, that makes you self-made. Funny that that happens to be a lot of the self-made millionaires these days. Um, that's really all I know about it. I hope it doesn't shock you, but I did not do much research because... I was already at the limits of my boredom with that in-depth research of reading a couple of tweets. Uh, yeah, head on, head on over to the Wikipedia article, which has a little bit more information. I'm not going to read from it. It's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> this, this is great. Uh, you know what? If you're listening to the show and I'm, I'm, Really happy for anybody tuning in right now. We talk about board games on occasion here. There are hundreds of great games you can play during uh, this sort of stay-at-home phase. You don't have to deal with them as a monopoly, but I I credit Hasbro for trying to stir up some business. Uh, Hasbro should be making a killing on uh, on board games and stuff this year. Hmm, wonder if I should have bought stock. <laughs> Daddy Warpig. Um, there's supposed to be a record-breaking snowfall in the north northeast. Yeah, I heard that they're getting a little Arctic blast in May. That's um, not unheard of. That's it, really that's not unheard of. I I went to school in the capital area of New York. And graduation day uh, was actually my it was my birthday in the in the middle of May, and we got snow. It was very interesting. It's uh, not unheard of. Somebody made a movie that can best be described as a Home Alone ripoff. It stars Joel. McHale and everybody's 
favorite mall cop. <laughs> if you, am I the only one who remembers Mall Cop being a, a legendarily terrible movie? Kevin James in Mall Cop. And uh, given those three elements, what would you assume the genre of this movie to be? Uh, sounds like a buddy cop movie. Yeah, or a wacky comedy, right? Oh, oh, oh you know, you wanted the serious answer. I'm sorry, I went with the, uh, I went with the jesting answer. Yeah, sure, wacky comedy. Yeah, no, it's 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 a drama. It's an American, like an American history X sort of tale. Literally, Kevin Kevin James gets out of prison. He's a skinhead. And the entire back of his skull has a massive swastika tattooed on it. That's that's actually hilarious. <laughs> it is. That's the. the <laughs> he's, wait, he's playing this straight. The whole movie is straight, but I think this is going to be one of the most unintentionally hilarious movies. Like the the whole year because I can't imagine how that is not hilariously funny. <laughs> they they come to the house, they do bad things to the kids' parents, and then she runs off and starts actually brutally, horrifically, uh, brutalizing these, you know, huge, gigantic neo Nazis. Shoots them with flamethrowers and and uh, shoots somebody with their eye, so they have to have their eye bandage and sets trap. I mean, this little girl is is a vicious little psychopath, and admittedly, they're neo Nazis, so she's hunting down neo Nazis. So it's not like you can feel bad for it, but damn, yeah, I think you've come up with a great test, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love that point. Like, yeah, these are obviously bad people. Who cares? What if you replace them with normal people? <laughs> how much it gets? A, how much of a psychopath is this girl? Yeah. <laughs> so she's hunting them down. That's I just I don't. <sighs> <laughs> what someone was thinking that you get Joel McHale. He, he's the, the lead from community. community. Yeah. And Kevin James, who actually did a decent job in the first, um, Oh, I can't even remember now. Uh, in an Adam Sandler movie. I know that sounds really improbable. too. <laughs> I mean, Adam uh, Sandler movies are just a scam. You, you've heard uh, the story, right? Yeah, yeah. It's okay. We, we have talked about that before. Oh, it's been a long time. And Kevin no, James... it, it, yeah, Kevin, Kevin James has done some dumb stuff, but he's, he's, a, he's what, what do I say? He's well-known as a good comedic actor. Yeah. And then you stick him in like, like American History X. I mean... With a little kid hunting him down with traps. Only this time, 
you know, because it's funny when you're talking about Home Alone or Home Alone 2. I mean, that little kid is up there chucking bricks off the top of the uh, ruined building he's in, and it hits him in the face, and it's funny because they're not really getting hurt, right? He turns on a flamethrower, and it burns off the guy's hat, and it burns his head, Joe Pesci, and he's not really getting hurt. That's why it's funny. It's like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. That's why that movie's watchable. But now, suppose you're watching that movie, and he's throwing bricks, and like one of the guys gets cracked open and falls to the ground dead with blood everywhere. I don't know. Maybe the skull cracks open, and there's a little bit of brains on the sidewalk. I don't know how like grotesque and uh, explicit they're going to be with the gore, but you just got to question that. It's like Home Alone wouldn't be entertaining if they played the violence straight. True. But, wow. <laughs> but they're neo-Nazis, so who cares? Oh, yeah, who cares? And I'm... So anyways, and oddly <laughs> enough, I just threw that up. I threw that up uh, off the cuff. That was just like, what are some other disasters happening right now? That was one of them. But I, but that actually leads into the topic for the rest of the show. Uh, so Ultra violence, I gather, is, is on the menu for today. Yeah. So this last week, I watched The Hunt. And I watched Battle Royale. And I watched Battle Royale 2. So good they had to make another one. <laughs> um, Battle Royale came out in 2000. Battle Royale 2 came out in 2003, which is actually really, really important for... Um, what's that term they use? deciphering the text of the movie. Is that the right term? That sounds like something you heard in a college classroom circa 1992. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, there's there's some stuff that went on in Battle Royale 3 that were awful, but that it actually plays back into talking about the hunt. Now, did you catch that controversy from the first time the hunt was about to hit theaters? No, I, I missed out. I missed out on that completely. Tell me more. Well, The Hunt is a movie about these uh, ultra-rich leftists who have a manor house where once a year they gather up 12 quote-unquote deplorables and hunt them down. Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's a little on the nose, isn't it? When did it come out? Or when was it supposed to come out? It was supposed to come out late last year. But there was a huge controversy, so they postponed it. They postponed it until right in the middle of coronavirus which is, you know, 
just crackerjack timing. Uh, that's the timing you always want to do is wait until nobody's going to the theaters. So they released it to streaming like three weeks ago. So it's, you know, and you use the title for the show and we, we should explain the title. Or maybe you should explain the title. Explain, explain the title of our show. Yeah. The most dangerous game. The most dangerous game about hunting other people. Which, in my extensive research on these three films that you said you were going to tell me about, which you told me about last night, that uh, that that was a, a running theme, that they were they were all that they were people hunting each other. So yes. I went I went with that title. So, but what does that title mean? Where'd you get it from? I uh, honestly. I know that there's a there's a story by that name, but that's I, I think that phrase is now part of the language. Yes. Um, because I didn't I wasn't thinking of a story specifically. H.G. Wells, who also wrote Lord of the or excuse me, War of the Worlds, um wrote a sto short story called The Most Dangerous Game, and is about a man who was kidnapped and taken to an island where a rich old man in a, uh, or a rich man in a manor house um, has gotten sick of hunting tigers and lions and bears and whatnot. So he wants to hunt the most dangerous game of all, man. Ooh. It's a good story. That's where that comes from. But that's what we're talking shame about. On, shame on me for not knowing that it was a, a Wells story. That's what we're talking about. And, and so that story came out in the late 1800s, guys. So, uh, you know, it's more, 120 years, more than 120 years ago. But that's what we're talking about today. That's a, the Kevin James movie. That's what the Hunt and the both the Battle Royales all have in common. That's, that's their theme. Or that, at least those are the events that are taking place on which the themes are built. Um, so all kinds of people were upset about the hunt. You had congressmen, and I think even a couple of senators got upset about it. They were saying, you know, because there were these uh, political violence things that had been happening around the same time, and... Uh, this is Bloomhouse, that kind of low-budget horror house who releases several films, um, all of which are low-budget, but as long as they mostly make their money back or even you know, just slightly less than breaking even, when they get that one hit that makes 20 or 30 times its budget, it pays for everything. So... Uh, Jason Bloom, who runs the studio, uh, has been doing very well at managing to do that. That's what Lion Forge, Lion Forge, is that the studio? I can't remember right now. I'm muggy today. I'm a little bit fuzzy in the brain, so you'll have to excuse me. I'm thinking through this brain cloud. Um, <laughs> I know it's impressive, right? <laughs> uh, you're doing pretty good for brain cloud. 
so they were going to release this and actually ended up uh, release it under the Universal Studios banner, but they decided not to. So everybody thought it was going to be a bad movie. Everybody thought it was going to be an open assault on right-wingers that was going to be about dumb, racist hicks and so on and so forth uh, being hunted by the left. Uh, and all for good reasons. The people who wrote it, uh, the people who uh, you know filmed it, it coming out from Hollywood in current year, all of those things are good signs that it's going to be a political screed. Uh, I'm not. I won't lie to you. Jumping to that conclusion is just par for the course. There's no reason not to. You wouldn't expect it to be anything else. But it turns out, in shock of all shocks, the movie isn't bad. Oh, yeah. It's not a bad movie. I enjoyed most of it. The last little bit was a little bit flat. But that's because I don't know if they were running out of budget or the people writing the movie just didn't have didn't have the balls to go all out with their to, to do enough with their uh, premise because I know what the perfect ending to the movie should have been. And we might get into spoilers. No, I, I won't lie. We will get into spoilers later on towards the end of uh, the show here. Uh, we're going to gloss over those right now. Not the climax, not the very end of the movie, but like the last act in the movie, when you're building up towards the climax, they just didn't have the balls to do with the main character what uh, what needed to be done, what would have made it a truly kick-ass, disturbing movie that just would have been so badass, you can't even, can't even think about it. They needed to bring in... Um, the director of the recent Bruce Willis remake. Um, all my names have gone today. That's I'm short on sleep, and so the first thing that goes is names. Every name has gone out of my head. Um, I feel like I need to use the, the listeners as like an emergency backup naming system. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, he directed The Green Hell. He directed a number of other, uh, what they call torture porn films. Um, and he directed the remake of the Charles Bronson uh, Death Wish movies. Death Wish. Death Wish. Yes, thank you. The Bruce... 
Willis remake of Death Wish. Uh, surprisingly, I can't remember the director's name, but I think he could have given that third act uh, the kick in the balls that it needed to make it a truly great film. Because this, this film actually could have been really awesome. Um, what everybody was worried about was politics, and I have to tell you, I'm really glad I saw Battle Royale 2, because even though I didn't think that politics were choking the movie to death, uh, having seen Battle Royale 2, I absolutely am certain that I, I'm kind of renormalized now on what really, really bad message fi fiction is. Because Battle Royale 2 is just awful. It's terrible message fiction. It's the kind of thing that is so bad. You're just sitting there. There are literal lectures in the movie that don't make sense. They have nothing to do with the situation that's going on. The characters just stop and lecture the audience for several minutes at a time. <laughs> oh, that sounds dreadful for an action movie. Um, hey, I, I got to interrupt. Emmett Fitzhume hanging out in chat. Thanks for, for helping out. He's got all your information okay. for you. He's, he's a man on the spot. That was Eli Roth that directed Death Wish. Yes, Eli Roth. And uh, about the story the most dangerous game that was actually richard connell in 1924 according to wikipedia well so close brain fog fog brain yeah uh so zero points for this round but uh great effort and we'll, we'll you're still in it <laughs> let's go on to round two <laughs> we'll be right back after this commercial <laughs> break <laughs> so Battle Royale 2 is round two. Um, Are you going to skip the first one? Or the what? No, we'll come back to that. And, and we're going to come back to the hunt, too. Because I want to discuss it more thoroughly when we get to spoiler. <laughs> Just, you're going to think that the hunt is stupid. You're going to think it's a excuse to lecture you about your politics. You're going to think a, a whole lot of things. It's really not a political polemic as far as I could see. And I'm a little bit oversensitized to that thing, to that kind of thing, uh, due to where I've spent the last five years. Uh, among whom I've spent the last five years have kind of made me overly sensitive to that kind of thing. And it didn't push any of my buttons that way. There were, um, their politics are certainly in it. The characters some of them are certainly political. Um, and a lot of the conflict that happens in the movie is because character A and character B have different political backgrounds. But the movie doesn't exist, and the things that happen in the movie don't exist, at least as far as I saw, to lecture you personally about how evil you are about your politics. Um, now, you're going to notice in the movie that some of the characters who are quote-unquote deplorable, you'll say, well, that's not representative of most of those right-wing people or Trump supporters. And you're right, because that gets explained later. 
there was a selection process and they deliberately chose the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. So yeah, they're not saying that these characters represent all Trump voters or all right-wingers or all libertarians, whatever. These are really, really, they thought were, were bad people. And so they were way down the scale and that's why a lot of these people were were chosen. And that was their that was the patrons' way of justifying their horrible crimes. Is well, they're they're bad people. Yeah, and and I mean, I almost did kind of the same thing when I said, "Well, I mean, they are neo Nazis." But I'm not <laughs> saying that about real people. I'm talking about. Uh, Fictional characters. Fictional characters. It's it's easier to swallow the pill when they're all neo-Nazis. Yeah. Uh, fictional characters. I, I would not justify killing real people because I'm not a psychopath. But, but anyways, that's... So you, realizing, having seen the whole movie, they're not trying to make the deplorables representative of all you know, red staters, and they're not trying to make these um, the leftists representative of all leftists. They are very specific people in very peculiar situations who have chosen to this for very specific and particular reasons. They are not stand-ins for, at least in the story. Now, maybe you can say, well, in a greater sense, they really meant it to be. That's fine. In the movie, if you take the movie as the movie, they're not stand-ins for the left and the right coming together and fighting. They're just not. They're people who have had events happen that set them on this course, and they made certain choices, and now they've come in this clash. And I'll get to why the ending was unfulfilling. The movie is not a bad movie. Quite a lot of it is uh, was enjoyable um, and, of course, appalling because of uh, the suddenness of the violence. Um, and I'm just trying to think. It's not a bad movie. I'm not going to say it's the best movie ever, but it's a competently made movie. I mean, we're back to, yeah, the story isn't bad. It makes sense. The characters aren't idiots. They're not all idiots. Uh, they seem like real people. That is, they do things. Some of them do smart things, but eventually make a mistake. Some of them panic and that leads them to doing something that seems kind of dumb but it's perfectly sensible why a person panicking would do that there's no stupid stick that everybody gets beaten with it's a competently made movie it's not a political polemic designed to uh demean any one group uh, in the country. I'm, I'm saying this like I'm kind of shocked because I was kind of shocked. 
I'm not saying you should definitely run out and watch it. If it doesn't, you know, if a bunch of people hunting down each other doesn't sound like your, um, it doesn't sound like your speed, by all means, you know, none of these movies we're talking about, Battle Royales or The Hunt, are going to be really good for you. If, if that's not your thing, don't go see them. But if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, then by all means, give them, give them a chance. Um, but I want to contrast this, The Hunt, as to why I'm saying it's, uh, it's not a political polemic by taking it against Battle Royale 2, which absolutely was a political polemic. So I want to set this... Uh, I want to set this up and I think the best way to do that is well let's start with Battle Royale 1. I was going to skip it but let's start with Battle Royale 1. Okay. I'm I know zigzagging all over the place. Is it frustrating? <laughs> Not at all. Um so <sighs> The in the Japan of the movie, juvenile delinquency is running rampant. Kids are skipping school, they're attacking teachers with knives, and so the Japanese parliament creates what comes to be known as the Battle Royale Bill or the Battle Royale Act. Once a year, they pick one Japanese class out of a high school, drop them on an island with weapons, a random selection of weapons, and give them 72 hours The last person alive gets to leave and go home. If they haven't killed everyone but one person by the end of that time, everybody dies. If they try to escape, that person dies. Um... Other than that, there are no rules. So they make these kids fight to the death. That sounds pretty horrific. Yeah. You know what that sounds like? Uh, this has to be the inspiration for... Fortnite and and player unknowns battlegrounds and oh yeah all the <laughs> battle royale modes oh they even called the games battle royales huh yeah well there you go that's why they call them battle royale modes because they got them from battle royale the movie a classroom full of kids though that's that's twisted that's that's a nice twist way to go Japan. <laughs> um, but uh, some people have said it's also the inspiration for the Hunger Games 
Could be. Um, uh, they divided the island into a grid, and there's danger zones on it. And from one time to another time, it'll be a danger zone. And if you're in the danger zone when it goes live, the little collar they've got around your neck blows up and you die. That's to keep things moving around, I guess. Sure, so that you can't just sit in one place and try to wait it out. Um, yeah. Sounds delightful. So, was it fun to watch? I didn't find it an enjoyable experience on that level. No. <laughs> so, so you didn't enjoy, a, you know, action-packed, ultra-violent pre-hunger games. It wasn't really action-packed, though. That's the thing. Um, it was more just bumbling, fumbling kids awkwardly fighting, killing each other, and then dying and really discomforting and pathetic ways and, you know... Sounds unpleasant. turning on each other, uh, boyfriends and girlfriends committing suicide so they wouldn't have to kill each other. Uh, one girl actually turns out to be a genuine psychopath and she cuts a swath through uh, the island. Uh, it was really brutal and gory and uh, I understand this was the intent of the filmmaker. So I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm not saying it's a skillless movie. And I'm not saying it's a poorly made movie. He intended this to be the emotional effect of the movie. It's supposed to be appalling. It's supposed to be repulsive. It's supposed to be um, disconcerting and and whatever. So I think that brings us back to the question then <clears throat> why watch it? I watched it because I had seen the hunt, and so I knew if I watched two other movies, I could stack them up and we could do a show on them. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's why I watch a lot of this stuff is so we can talk about them on the show. I love it. Your dedication um, is admirable. I'm also doing research on some stuff, and so they're also part research. Well, and well, as a general point, too, there's lots of films like that. The Lars von Trier films are infamous for being extremely unsettling. And, uh, I mean, if that's all you're getting out of it, what's the point? Is is it like a horror movie where it's it's thrilling? Because it doesn't sound like that. It doesn't sound like watching Saw where there's suspense and, and terror. It sounds gratuitous. What's your impression? 
I like horror movies. I enjoy horror movies. And there's a lot of disturbing deaths in horror movies. Um, and this was not a horror movie. Uh, I, I, I wonder if it's maybe just a cultural gap. I don't feel like I really plugged into this movie. I don't feel like I really understood this movie. Because like the beginning of the movie, they were showing the kids being, I don't know, delinquents. And it consisted literally of the class all taking off one day. They all skipped school and presumably went to do something. Once, one day. Uh, when they were 16, I think. And um, the kid ran by a teacher, and either deliberately or accidentally, it wasn't really wasn't really clear, cut him with a, a butterfly knife just on the back of his leg. He didn't stab him. He cut him with a shallow cut. So it wasn't like he was trying to kill him. It wasn't like he attacked him. Um, and that was it. That's all that showed that they were delinquents who were out of control. And all the kids were out of control. And so they were being put on this island as punishment or, you know, Don't you have to kind of justify why this BR Act went in place? Seems a little flimsy. Don't you have to show that so that the audience gets that kids are so out of control that the only way to control them is to threaten them with, you know, battle royale? Behave while you're in school because if you don't, your class could be the one chosen for Battle Royale because we picked the worst class in the country. This is absolutely not what happened in the movie. In fact, when they get there, the kids act like they've never heard of this, like they don't know what's going on. And I'm like, how can that possibly be? Because they've got an announcer, a, a television announcer, and a bunch of photographers publicizing this battle royale and who the survivor is and things like that. That's the very first scene in the movie is uh, them photographing the survivor of a previous year's battle royale. So how do these kids have no idea what this is? It, yeah, uh, that's, that's a pretty big hole. Um. And I'm not saying that couldn't be explained. Either the kids are really, really... I mean, let's say they're so completely oblivious they just don't pay attention to the news ever. Um, maybe you could explain that well enough. Or that they're just in denial. They're saying, no, this can't be. This isn't really battle. You know, we're not really being put in battle royale. You're just trying to scare us. 
<laughs> oh, it worked. We are really scared. We'll go back to school and, and study and finish all our tests. Right, guys? Let's go. That's my best impression of a bad English uh, <laughs> dub of a Japanese movie. It worked. <laughs> See, I could I could do work as a bad English dub voice actor. It's a good if idea. Bad English, I could generate bad English all the live long day. I just uh, it kind of baffles me the choices he made, and it kind of undermines the movie from the beginning in that way. And so, what I was saying is, I wonder if there's just not some cultural disconnect there. To where I'm not getting, I watched it subs. There is no dub of, of Battle Royale that I can find. Uh, so I, I watched it subtitled. Um, and I just, it didn't make sense to me, the situation at the beginning. Didn't make sense to me why they passed it. Uh I it doesn't sound like a cultural thing. It sounds like you just watched a B movie written ah. by written by someone who didn't care. So in the end of the movie, the movie is 20 years old, guys. It is long past the spoiler um, statute of limitations for movies. I'm sorry. 20 years is long enough. If you haven't seen it in 20 years, then, well... even for a foreign film. The students, at the very end, two of the students have been helping each other the entire time uh, with the aid of another guy escape. So they become fugitives. And they're wanted by the law for murder and for helping another student commit murder. So, <laughs> so they're being charged with murder for participating in Battle Royale. That's great. Just great. Um, by the way, they were literally forced to participate with this. Uh, to participate in this. There were 42 kids in this class. And in the second movie, there were also 42 kids in that class. So I have to believe that that's a fundamental size of a quote-unquote class in Japanese school systems. Or, I don't know. I'm just surmising that. But in the first movie, in the beginning of it, there are two kids who get killed before they've even gotten the full briefing yet because of various things. Um, one of them to demonstrate what the caller does uh, because the, the, per the person is doing is behaving badly uh, instead of listening. And one of them is a boy who tried to attack uh the person in charge of it. And so 
the teacher throws the knife into his head and kills him. Nice. And the funny thing is, the teacher who got cut across the leg is the teacher of this class, class B of whatever year, whatever high school, I can't remember. And he's in charge of all of this. He tells the military, the soldiers, what to do. He makes announcements. And this is where, you know, it really begins to seem like... Um, Weird. Like... Uh, the Hunger Games. He makes announcements every uh, few hours at like midnight, noon, and then halfway in between to tell them, okay, this is who died and in what order and and so on and so forth. And the movie keeps, uh, keeps a countdown. They tell you who died and then how many are left alive. Uh white text on a black screen. So the the message is very, very clear right from the beginning. If the kids don't participate, they'll get killed. That's pretty powerful coercion. Um, but these two kids escape and they go on the land. That's Battle Royale 1. And in it, you see just about every trick or tactic people can use to kill each other or to, uh, you know, try and work together to escape or just form up teams or whatever. And so there's quite the varied amount of thinking people are, um, you know, there are a lot of kids who are trying to work together. There are some kids who are just doing appalling things to try to be the winners. Two of the kids are added to the class at the very last minute. Uh, they call them quote-unquote transfer students. Um, and they uh, turn out to have been survivors from some of the previous uh, battle royales who have either been put in, one of them has been put back, and one of them has been volunteered just because he likes it, I guess. Um, so in the second movie, the two survivors decide that they're going to bring down the system. Have you ever seen Fight Club? Sure. You remember the end of Fight Club? Yeah, everything blows up. Everything blows up, right? Including the script and the audience's suspension of disbelief <laughs> that's where battle royale 2 begins okay is a bunch of skyscrapers getting blown up and collapsing i bet it was those delinquent kids it was those delinquent kids man those kids are out of control someone should do something about them specifically it's the two survivors of the previous movie who have formed a terrorist group and are blowing up buildings because they've declared war against all adults uh, for their crimes against the youth. 
So not only did it begin where Fight Club ends, but we also rope in Logan's run uh, right in there. Because um, see those two kids, after the Battle Royale, they went to Afghanistan for a couple of years to learn to be terrorists. Pleasant. They learned to shoot AK-47s, which is the universal symbol of armed resistance all over the world. They learned to make bombs and uh, fire grenades and do other things. They learned how to fight a guerrilla war. Um, and I'm trying to decide where to go real quick, but fundamentally speaking, you get to the point where they're doing a briefing for everybody else, where all these kids are getting put together. They're not in the same Battle Royale. They've, they've passed the Battle Royale 2 Act. And what the Battle Royale 2 Act is, is because this guy, the charismatic leader of the terrorists, has holed up on an island and reinforced it as a uh, his own bunker, They he's uh, declared war, and so instead of sending the army in to kill him, they've decided to send in a school class, a class of kids in military uniforms with military gear to climb up from the beach and assault his compound. And only if they kill him do they get to live. If they haven't killed him in 72 hours, everybody dies. Also, there's... 21 boys and 21 girls, and they're paired off in numbers. So number one boy, number one girl, number two boy, number two girl. And if your partner gets more than 50 meters away, you both die. Oh, come on. If your partner dies, you die. So how is there one survivor? Or is there not supposed to be? No, it's, it's, it's however many you're living when you kill... The charismatic leader of the terrorist group. Everybody can can survive if if everybody's alive when you kill him. But I'll give you a small subtle hint uh, or spoiler. That's not what happens. No, what a twist. Um. So in the briefing, where they're supposed to be talking to these high school kids about why they're fighting this leader and what tactics they're supposed to use and what their equipment is and how to use it and show them how to load, load guns because high school kids don't know how to shoot in Japan because guns are like banned, really banned, really, really banned. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't know how to slap a magazine into the gun and cock it, much less, you know, what to do when it jams or how to put a grenade in the grenade launcher and uh, tactics and how to keep cover and just 
even the basic stuff you'd need to survive for more than a few minutes in a battle zone. Um, where they should be giving them all this information and helping them prepare for this. By the way, they threaten them to say, they get this big white line on the floor and they say, there are two kinds of people in this world, winners or losers. Uh, winners are going to go out and kill this terrorist and losers are going to die right now. Uh, and one boy says he refuses to go and fight. Absolutely refuses. So he dies right there. And all I can say is that of all the kids in all the movies and all the adults in all these movies, he's the only one I felt was truly an admirable human being. He had a moral choice to make, and he made it, and I think he did the right thing. He said, no, I'm not going to go off and, and murder this guy uh, just because you threatened my life, I'm going to make this decision. And he was brave and he was bold about it. And it was an entirely admirable thing to do. And I, I give him a thumbs up. Mm -hmm. Anyways, instead of giving them the actual briefing about the terrain, what weather conditions they might encounter, what is uh, an, an intelligence briefing? What are the conditions that they might expect on the island? Uh, what kind of booby traps can they expect? Um, how do they run from cover to cover? How do they do covering fire? How do they do fire and maneuver? Just all of these things that they're going to need to know. Instead of that, the guy, the teacher, literally stands up in front of the class and gives a minute or two lecture about how many countries the United States has bombed over the last, I think, 40 years. Wow. And how many people that the United States has supposedly killed. And he's listing countries like Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, and just on and on and on and on and on. So you got to understand, this movie came out in 2003. So it was made in 2002. So 2002 was the invasion of, wait for it, Afghanistan. And where did they go mm -hmm. to learn their skills? Among the cheerful and friendly, and I'm not kidding, I'm not kidding, they have actual footage shot in Afghanistan of smiling kids running along. And this poor country, despite the wars being fought in it over the last 20 years, still the children are beaming and smiling, and it's such a beautiful country in spring. And we have terrorists all over the world who are all over the world who are standing up to the brutal oppressions and yada yada yada. The movie is a pan made, you know, short time after 9-11. 
terrorists blew up the Twin Towers and killed 2,000-some-odd people. That's supposed to be about kids in a Japanese schoolroom killing each other. Is instead a pay-in to teenage terrorists blowing up skyscrapers in the middle of Japan and also a pay-in to specifically Afghanistan terrorists. How awesome Afghanistan is. How awesome terrorists are. All terrorists, mind you. Anybody who carries the AK-47. And at the end of the movie, now you got to remember, this guy, the charismatic leader of the terrorist band, has not attacked the United States at all. And sure, he's declared war against all adults everywhere on the planet, but he's a tiny terrorist band confined to one island in Japan. He can't even conduct any more terrorist operations in Japan. They have him pinned down, and he can't get out. He's running low on supplies, running low on food. His logistics situation is, is beyond screwed. But the United States of America, whom they refer to as that country, decides that if the Japanese don't kill this terrorist within an hour or two, they're going to bomb the crap out of this island and invade Japan. It's because all that's so the United tiresome. States of America. I, do I hear an eagle screeching in the distance? <laughs> so... Oh, and by the way, when some of them do actually escape at the end of the movie, they find a way off the island, and a few survivors escape. Um, where do they go to find the safe place where they can live in peace and harmony? You'll never guess where the happy, peaceful place with the warm and welcoming people who want nothing more to invite you in and give you warm hugs and and kisses on the net. Could it possibly be the glorious mountain ranges and welcoming poppy fields of Afghanistan? Absolutely correct. How did you even guess that? I was paying attention. Really, if you if you watch a lot of movies, you can sort of piece these things together. I was almost as if you wrote it yourself. So when I tell people listening to this show that the hunt is not propagandistic or propagandized, I thought that after I watched the movie and while I was watching the movie. But it was really, really, really underscored. 
after seeing Battle Royale 2. Wow. <laughs> And like I said, knowing the time and what was going on in world history really helped me decipher the text of that movie. Because <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> I'd have been like, what the hell? What is all this Afghan crap? Why is the United States invading this island <laughs> to try and kill a guy who's never done anything to the United States? So what I'm telling you is, oh, do we want to go for the spoiler I promised? Let's do it. Spoiler at the end of the show before we kick it off. We are now in spoiler space at the end of the show. Yeah. The one thing that could have done the made that to make The Hunt a legendary movie instead of just a, an okay movie with an with a ending that fell flat. They needed a first blood ending. Now, have you seen first blood? Rambo first blood. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He gets all dressed up in camo, and he goes out in the middle of the forest, and he hunts them down one by one. Right. That's what they needed at the end of the movie. Desperately. Instead of what they went with, they desperately needed several different situations in the uh, woods of the area where the person goes just balls out excited uh, or balls out. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? So this shows how how their skills and uh, how the bad guys have bet off more than they can chew. So that would have brought in some more interesting kills. It would have brought in, which I, I'm sorry, it's a thriller. Or it should have been a thriller. Should have been a more thrilling thriller. And uh, interesting situations are part of that where they turn the tables back on their oppressors and where they show uh, how their ingenuity and their, and their uh, toughness and their ability to be better at the one thing that all of these other people have thought that they have been trained so much to be good at. That would have just made the movie into a really good movie. Oh, well. You should write one, though. <laughs> so, but anyways, The Hunt isn't a political screed. There is politics in it, but it's not the kind that you would normally expect. Um, even if that was only accidental... Because I see a lot of things where you could say, well, they meant that to be political, but it just isn't. It, it just fails to land because unless you're a leftist, it that just isn't going to be seen as political. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of times where you get a crazy right-winger saying something, 
and they're right. They're that entirely correct. And when that happens in the movie, literally, I was just like, what? What? <laughs> this isn't what I thought I was signing up for. It was awesome. It was legitimately an awesome moment. I was like, he's right? What? What? <laughs> what are the writers? Some sort of neo-Nazis? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, fell flat towards the end. I liked the beginning. Um, a lot of things about the movie were done well. Battle Royale 1 is a brutal and in many ways uncomfortable movie, although I've heard, for me, I've heard a lot of people really enjoy it, uh, and a lot of people love it, love the movie. So uh, you might give it a try because you might love the movie and might wonder, you know, where Daddy Warpig has gone all weak and, and soft in the soft in the gut to where he just doesn't get how great this movie is. And that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fair if that's, that's your reaction. Um, and Battle Roy 2 is... Uh, it's a lecture. Sounds right. dreadful. Series of lectures. That just wasn't exciting. Oh! I forgot to say, they had a Saving Private Ryan scene in the movie. Seriously? Seriously. So, you know, they start off with Fight Club, they rope in Logan's Run, and then they have a Saving Private Ryan scene. It was, it was just great. They're in boats, they're zooming over the ocean to get to the island, and one guy turns and he pukes, and then people get shot in the boats, and then all of a sudden one of them blows the hell up and kills like six people, I think. <laughs> just bam, wow. out of the gate, wipes them out. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. Start with the body count high. Yeah. And high. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can watch Battle Royale 2 if you want. I'm not trying to lecture you or tell you you can't. But, man, oh, man. It was disappointing. They went for politics instead of doing what people would expect from a battle royale movie completely destroyed the brand and guess what after the second one the first one was apparently a hit uh maybe it was a cult classic hit i don't know i didn't hear about these until you know 15 years after it'd been released so you'll have to forgive me um because the second one obviously had a much larger budget. But then there was never made a third. Never. It's going to happen. Oh, well. So that's it. That's my spiel on the most dangerous game movies. Well, cool. I, I, I think I might watch The Hunt if I can get it on stream. That sounds pretty good. Where Where did you watch it? Was it uh, was it Amazon or or Hulu or Netflix or something? I I don't remember. I watched it <laughs> over the internet. Very well. I'll I'll take a look afterwards. But uh, that sounds like a good show. That sounds like a wrap. Hey, it was fun talking to you about these cool movies, and uh, and because I, I appreciate hearing about new 
Well, I, I was hoping for action films, but it sounds like we got a couple of gore fests on our hands. And I uh, appreciate hanging out in chat. We had uh, Emmett Fitzhume made it back. Welcome back, man. Catholic Lancer and Simon Hogwood in the chat. Appreciate you guys listening on, and I uh, hope everybody listening later enjoyed the show. Uh, and that's it for me this week, Daddy Warpig. Yep. Go ahead. I was going to ask a question, but I don't need to ask a question. So I just need to say goodbye. You could ask a question. It's a thrilling feeling. Um, now, my brain is shutting down. My brain is like, I'm tired. I didn't get enough sleep. I did this show. You had it. You got your damn show. Now leave me alone for the rest of the day. And um, your your brain's got some issues, man. He's he's pretty upset. He's been working. I've worked my brain really hard for the last few weeks. Uh, uh, really, really hard, and it's. Uh, I mean, it's not like it's unsatisfied with the work, but still, it's uh, it's been a lot of it. Um, what can I say, folks? Uh, I'm glad I got a chance to watch these three films. I'm glad I got a chance to talk to you about them, and I'm really, really glad I got a chance to to show where the hunt isn't as bad as we all feared it would be. Uh, I mean, I was, I was certain it was going to be terrible. I was certain it was just going to be political trash from beginning to end. And that's partially why I watched it is just to, because uh, it's my job to see these things. And and if I can talk about them without politics getting in the way, bring it on the show. Um, or if it's really, really political, I can take it to Twitter and excoriate the movie. But it was not the train wreck I was expecting. And I was pleasantly surprised. So... If you go see it, maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised too. Thanks to everybody who showed up and participated in the chat live. Thanks to everybody who's listening to the show later. Um, let's see. Thanks to my uh, awesome co-host, my fellow host, Dornall here. My brain is fried, man. Is there anything? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can get this show on youtube.com slash geekgap, but you can also find it on soundcloud.com, on the Google Play Store, and on the Apple iTunes Store. Uh, we're available uh, to subscribe to our podcast feed, so you can listen to it on the device of your choice. We are... Signing out for today. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.